I'm Justin. Uh, so if you're new here, um, and some of you are, hi. Um, I, uh, I'm a friend of the community. I get to hang out with you guys for the month and uh, talk, and people, they give me a mic. <laughs> And, uh, and then I, and I did it with the microphone like a couple times before and they were like, come back and do that again. And I was like, I'm just gonna go keep doing that till they fire me, um, which apparently happens in August. Uh, <laughs> just falling out, uh, I'm kidding. Uh, it's a gift for me to be here. Uh, I've, I am a, I'm a songwriter, uh, like I write songs and I play, I play those songs and I've traveled different parts of the country, different parts of the world. I've written a bunch of different books. I'm an author. All I do, all the stuff I've done publicly, like kind of in mass, the stuff that really actually pays almost all my bills with books and music and speaking and teaching in different parts of the, uh, the country and the world, all that really ends up being rooted in this, the, the kind of the heart work of my life, which is that I'm a pastor uh, of a church community in Concord, and I have been since 1998. Uh, and that's a lot of years. Um, and so the gift of being able to be here, having been through uh, a number of different seasons of life together, to be able to share in this life uh, and season with you is a, is a pleasure and a gift. And so what I get to do while I'm here is share, uh, what I, and you'll see as I go if you haven't been here, um, I tend to not teach in a t- sort of traditional way. Um, not that the traditional way is bad, I'm just not that great at it, and I'm better at other things. Uh, and namely, what I've been interested in uh, ever since I really kind of came around here at all, but specifically over the last season, is like, not so much like, how can I convince you of things that I think are true about God, which that's fine, nothing wrong with that. But more the question, what is God doing in, through, and among you as a people? That's what I think I can do best for you if I love you well. Because that's, that's been the thing for you, which is, you know, that's the thing for us I would suggest almost always, is I don't want to know just what's true of God over there. Can I get an amen? Because we kind of do that sometimes with the gospel, is it gets true in this kind of conceptual way that's over there I can point at it and talk about the truth. But what really is going on with Jesus is this incarnational truth thing. Is it in you? Is it in your skin? Is it in your checkbook? Somebody say Amen. Is it in your household? Is it in the apology you offer? Is it in the way you forgive? Is Jesus, the spirit of Jesus, the love of God, and the power of the Holy Spirit active, alive, and present in your life? The answer to that is yes. Somebody say amen. Amen. And what we try to work out, I think, here is how. What's that look like to do? So... Uh, what we'll do this morning, uh, which we did last week, and then a few weeks before that, and we'll do next week, the week after, is we're going to get into the scripture. Uh, and the way we'll do that is we're going to read through, today's text is a little bit longer. So we're going to read through this twice together. Uh, I'm going to get a couple volunteers uh, in a second. So like, start searching your soul for the courage that comes uh, by raising your hand and saying, I'll volunteer to read in front of a room full of people. Uh, we're going to read through this text twice. And as we do, I'm going to ask you to pay attention to like, what's going on in your heart, your mind. What is God saying to you through and in this text? Then we're going to have a little conversation about it. I've got some stuff that this text kind of says to me normally, but we'll see. But we're going to have a little conversation about how the Word of God is acting alive in you. So I'll put the text up here. If you want to read it from your own Bible because you think my translation is weird, that's fine. Um, uh, but it's 1 Kings 
chapter 19, 1 through 15, if you've been around church for any amount of time, some of this story will be a little bit familiar, but I think that's part of why we do the text once, one, over and over again, because God says different things in different seasons about the same scripture. Can I get an amen? But also because what God is saying to someone else might be kind of revelatory for you, like, I never heard it that way. So if I can get two volunteers to read again, this is a little bit longer, so be comfortable with reading. And this is the size of the text, so if you have uh, eyeball issues, um, then, uh, and you're comfortable with that. Uh, so, I need, so I need two volunteers. I need one, you'll be real loud and you'll read, you'll read first, and then I need a second reader. Preferably a woman, but if I don't have one, then, then in the back. You ready? Okay. So first, what we'll do is, is it was gonna, he's going to read, and then we're going to be quiet for a little bit, just kind of like listen to your heart, and then I'm going to have a second reading, and then we'll have a conversation. So when you're ready, go and stand and read. Now Ahab told Jezebel everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets with the sword. So, Je so Jezebel sent a messenger to Elijah and said, May the gods deal with me, be it ever so severely, if by this time tomorrow I do not make your life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba, Judah, he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a broom bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I have had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I am no better than my ancestors. Then he laid down under the bush and fell asleep. Go ahead. Keep reading. All at once, an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank, and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled 40 days and 40 nights until he reached or read the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. And the word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord, for the Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rocks before the Lord. But the Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, but the Lord was not in the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mouth of the cave. Then a voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous for the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. 
I am the only one left, and now they are trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came, and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Hazel over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Zimshi, king over Israel, and anoint Elisha, son of Saphat, from Abel Maholah, to succeed you as prophet. Jehu will put to death any who escaped the sword of Hazel, and Elisha will put to death any who escaped the sword of Jehu. Yet I reserve 7,000 in Israel, all whose knees have not bowed down to Baal, and whose mouths have not kissed him. Thank you. Take a moment. Was there a scripture that, was there a part of that text that stood out to you? Was there something that came up in your mind as a question? Was there something, what stirred in you when you heard that read the first time? Take a moment and sit with that, and then we'll have a second reading. Can you flip through it this time? Now Ahab told Jezebel everything. Elijah had done and how everything Elijah had done and how he had killed all the prophets of the sword. So Jezebel sent a message to Elijah and saying, May the gods deal with me, be it so severe. If by this time tomorrow I do not make our life like that of one of them. Elijah was afraid and ran for his life. When he came to Beersheba and knew that he left his servant there, while he himself went a day's, day's journey into the wilderness. He came to a fruit bush, sat down under it, and prayed that he might die. I've had enough, Lord, he said. Take my life. I'm no better than my ancestors. Then he lay down in the bush and fell asleep. All at once an angel touched him and said, Get up and eat. He looked around, and there by his head was some bread baked over hot coals and a jar of water. He ate and drank and then lay down again. The angel of the Lord came back a second time and touched him and said, Get up and eat, for the journey is too much for you. So he got up and ate and drank. Strengthened by that food, he traveled forty days and forty nights until he reached Horeb, the mountain of God. There he went into a cave and spent the night. The word of the Lord came to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been very zealous to the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, torn down your altars, and put your prophets to death to the sword. I'm the only one that left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said, Go out and stand on the mountain in the presence of the Lord. The Lord is about to pass by. Then a great and powerful wind tore the mountains apart and shattered the rock before the Lord. The Lord was not in the wind. After the wind there was an earthquake, but the Lord was not in the earthquake. After the earthquake came a fire, and the Lord was not on the fire. And after the fire came a gentle whisper. When Elijah heard it, he pulled his cloak over his face and went out and stood at the mountain of the cave. Another voice said to him, What are you doing here, Elijah? He replied, I have been, I have been very zealous to the Lord God Almighty. The Israelites have rejected your covenant, thrown down your altars, and put your prophets to death with the sword. I'm the only one left, and now they're trying to kill me too. The Lord said to him, Go back the way you came and go to the desert of Damascus. When you get there, anoint Zael, king over Aram. Also, anoint Jehu, son of Nishi, king over Israel. 
Go ahead and take, uh, take a moment, and if there was a scripture, if there was a phrase, if there was a particular word, if there was a scene, something that stood out to you, what was it? If there was a question that came up in your mind, if there was a reflection that this stirred in you, like, what did this do in you? Just sit with that for a moment, and then we'll have a conversation in a second. Lord, you speak to your people uh, and you speak through your people. I ask now that you'd uh, speak to us and speak through us and speak to one another um, in, uh, in this room and in this time. So, what uh, did you see? What did you hear? What stood out? It could even just be like, I don't know what to make of that. And you didn't know that there was a land called Snapchat. I know you didn't. Um, <laughs> What happened? What'd you see? What'd you hear? What'd you feel? What question jumped into your mind? Go ahead. What's your name? Robin. Robin, go ahead. Um, what I really love about this particular scripture yeah. is that the very first time I read it a few years ago, I thought Sunday school about it. God did not show up in the really dramatic thing. Yeah. He came in the whisper. Yeah. And so all the really huge, dramatic, overwhelming, scary things that happened were not problems. Yeah. Yeah, the, the, the wind goes by, and it's not just like a breeze. It's like, it, like the wind grows, it's a, break, it's a wind that was breaking rocks. Wow. And then there's a fire and an earthquake, bonkers. But the scripture's like super clear. The God is not in that thing. It all went before him. And then God shows up in the whisper. I love that too. What else? Over here. I guess... Uh, God being in the process of meeting him where he was. Hmm. But there's two times in the story that he says, what are you doing here? Right? <laughs> so, the, so the question kind of stands, right, of, of uh, he's not where God ultimately wants him, but God is providing for him along the way. Yeah. And calling him to something, and that, and that, to me is is so reassuring because I'm certainly in process. Yeah. And the fact that, uh, you know, lots of different sides of it, I guess. One, with us in the process. Yep. And patient and graceful in that. But secondly, that he never stops calling us to where he is leading us to. Yes. So he keeps asking the question for Elijah, you know, what are you doing here? Yeah. And, and what's interesting is he says, he, he asks him twice. He's like, what are you doing here, Elijah? And, and Elijah answers the same way both times. Mm. Which, from, which like, when it comes to process, like, you don't always get very far in that process. 
Like, you know what I mean? There's yeah. gonna be this big, you know, God shows up and there's, there's a tree and he's like, there's bread and water and Elijah's like, fine, I'll eat. And then like, and then, then he's like, hey, where are you? Where are you at here? And he's like, here's where I'm at. I've like, life is brutal. They're killing people, they're after me. I've been trying to serve you. And then God does all this stuff. And then God asks again, so where are we at? He's like, everything still sucks. That's where we're at. I mean, like, that's, what, that's what his answer is. But like, that ends up being like, okay, you're still there. And God still remains present and patient and persistent in the process. I love that. Yeah. A couple others. What'd you see? What'd you hear in the field? Yeah, in the back. Go ahead. So if I can follow right along with what you're saying, like in that idea. <clears throat> oh, okay. We can put you on mic. Yeah, I guess so people can hear easier. Um, he's doing the right things in his mind, like he's doing what God calls him to do. Yes. But he's not seeing the results he wants to see, which is why he's so bummed. But he doesn't know when he's answering that way the first time, like right around the corner is this idea of meeting with God and seeing the results for what he's doing. He just yes. doesn't know. It's just like right there. Yeah. And I think sometimes that I relate to that. Like, I feel like I'm doing not always, but sometimes the right thing, but I'm not necessarily seeing results and yeah. like, who knows? It could be just right there. We just don't know. Yeah. That's really good. Which ends up being part of, like, I mean, he's so tired. And that's sort of a bookend, I think, because when you're tired, you don't see straight. But also, when you're tired, like, you know, some of the, you know, you don't recognize the thing. You're not willing to push that extra step to get to the point where, like, maybe you might see. And it adds to being tired if you're not seeing the results from what you're doing. Like, it's like seeing the finish line. Y'all with me? It's like, like the, I guess the stats are, and I don't know this for sure because I've never actually run a marathon because those people are nuts. That's just bizarre. Like, why? There's no one chasing you. Uh, but like, like the numbers of people who quit, like it's always the front end and the back end. Like it's all, like the people who quit, it's like they're right there at the tail end. It's like mile 22, 23. And in, instead of pushing all the way through, you like you went 20, which I guess it kind of makes some sense because you'd be exhausted. But I'm like, you got three miles, bro. Like, you know, cap that sucker off. But we do that all the time. Like, I, if you can't see the finish line, it's easy to quit when you're tired. I love that. That's a, that's a good insight. What else? Well, struck, kind of struck you, stirred in you. A couple other things. Yeah. What's your name? Alex. Alex, go ahead. So, you know, what's... Thank you. So what struck me in that is, is the fact that... Um, Elijah's busy looking at what the Israelites are doing, and he's busy looking at what he perceives God not doing. Mm. And God comes along and says, well, what are you doing? Mm. And so he, he brings it back to his, his actions and, and how's he dealing with all of this. And sometimes we get caught up in all the other stuff outside of us. That's good. And it's like, you know, like, like Job, we can just sit around and go, oh, gosh, you know, things are bad. And I'm just going to sit here until I die. Yeah. 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 That's a great parallel too. the little the Job conversation where yeah. Job, Job is pretty done. Yeah, he's pretty done. Things have not gone his way. No, they really didn't. <laughs> <laughs> so he's like sitting there going, I'm just, you know. Yeah. Yeah. That's good. And, yeah. That's good. Maybe one or two more. Hello. Hey. Why does God tell Elijah to go and anoint everybody? Yeah, that's well, a good question. What does that mean? 
So, I mean, part of this is like at the, the prophet's role, like he kind of calls him back. There's, there's some specifics in there that like, I, like we don't have to get super deep into. The, like the meta answer here is like, that was the job. Okay. It kind of calls him back. It's kind of what Doug was saying is like, hey, part of the what are you doing here question for Elijah was like, remember what I called you to. And it's kind of what you just got back to is like, hey, like, I know it seems like I'm not doing this. I know that these folks are over here doing this. Do you remember what you are doing? And so at the tail end of all this stuff, he says, let's, go, let's, get, let's get up and go do the job again. Go, go anoint people to lead my people well. Now, the list is really interesting, and we can get into this, because there's a person on that list who is like, who never swears an allegiance to God, which is this whole other story. That, he go, that Elijah goes and anoints this person who's not confessed a faith in God, doesn't, he's like, which is a fascinating moment. But he still, what the Lord does here is he calls Elijah back to the job. He's like, I get it, you're tired. Let's take a break. Let me remind you what you're up to. And then when the time comes, he doesn't spank him. He doesn't like call, like, okay, let's, let's, let me take some stuff off your plate. He, he says, let's, let's keep going with the original plan you can keep doing this. So some of it is, I think, that. Is he just, he's like, let's go back and do the stuff we were starting to, to begin with. Maybe one more. Okay, we got, two, we got two more. One, and then way in the back, too. So we'll, come, we'll go here first. Thank you. It's a great question. Uh, what, what I'm hearing is, uh, from a lot of you guys, uh, it ties into what Rebecca was saying at the very beginning, too, is that uh, we are in the effort business, and God is in the result business. Yeah, kind of like that. Just be faithful to be faithful to what I've called you to, and I'll bring about fruit. Which I mean, that's what what's the scripture Paul says, right? Like these people water and these people plant. That's do, do the watering and planting thing, and God brings about fruit. I think that's part of what we have to too. Yeah, that's really good. Can we get this all the way to the back? I'm gonna go. Do you get, anyone remember Donahue? <laughs> No, I know, but like we've set it, we've set a precedent with a microphone, and, and it also allows me to tell the John Hu joke. Oh. Um, one thing that I can relate to is how the entire nation of God rejected him, hmm. probably in the name of God, even to, except a different God, Baal. Yeah. And Elijah's like, wait a minute, what's the point? How can I bring a whole nation back? Yeah. And they're killing our leaders. They don't care. Yeah. And, you know, once again, that can be very overwhelming. Yeah. And Elijah, I think, feels very alone. That's really good. Yeah. The loneliness, which adds to being tired, which then tiredness tends to make us feel isolated. And if you've ever been in that spiral where you're working, you're not seeing the results you want to see, you're not seeing th things play out, the you get tired, and then that tiredness kind of keeps you from vision and that vision kind of adds to your tiredness and that spiral down and down and down and there's a bunch here for me in the sec that this text brings out one of which is like you come back to the role of the sabbath keeping somebody say amen sabbath keeping here right like if we are not rested we cannot work well um that's the kind of meta answer there are a few like specific things for me like and I'm getting, like, I love that we're ending with this, your witness, because that's, that's the thing that's, that's like, anytime I come back around this text, this is the thing that stands out to me. I'm a, like, I, I am a, I, I love my job. Like, I love my job. I love doing what I do. So, like, I will put in, 
like like tons of hours to do what I do. And like, I, and I've, some of you, if you've been on retreat, you've heard me tell stories about getting tired and not knowing that it was not okay to be as tired as it was. But I would just get tired and figure, and you'll, you'll recognize it, like, hey, being tired is part of being an adult. Which like, that's a lie from the pit of hell. Like it's not, being tired, certain kinds of tired, especially if we're exhausted, uh, is not an indication that you're an adult. It's just an indication you're not living well. So this, this text for me like really speaks to me. It starts here that he's tired. And when I'm tired, I tend to lose vision. I tend to like forget, like you were just saying, like you, like you, don't, like you don't see the thing that maybe is right in front of you, one extra step right behind you. There are a couple things that, that uh, Elijah, like the vision that Elijah has lost. One is in, in chapter 18, like the, se- the, the moment, not just the season, but the moment that Elijah just left is this like one of these mind-blowing landmark biblical moments in which the leadership in the land had instituted Baal worship, which is like, it just, it's basically, it's idolatry, plain and simple, gods that are not actually God, and like institutionalized it. You will worship the Baals. And Elijah was called, Elijah was called to like protest against and lead people away from this. But like the leadership of the land was like, the Baal, and like when the powers that be, that control Start telling people how it is. It can be hard to lean hard against that. Can someone say amen? amen. But that was his job. The, the prophet's job is always incredibly hard, incredibly costly. So all this stuff is going down. Jezebel and Ahab, like, instituting the else. So this is, this is the moment that we just came from with Elijah. Elijah goes, he just calls him out. And he says, literally, he's like, bike racks after school. To the guys who, like, to the Baal prophets. He's like, bike racks after school. I will see you there. He calls him out to this, like, prophet battle. He brings his little prophet Pokemon cards. And he says, here we're going to do. You're going to bring a sacrifice? And I'm going to bring a sacrifice? And you're going to call on your God to show up and receive this sacrifice. And then I'm going to call on God to come and receive the sacrifice. And so the way it goes is the, the prophets of Baal, they show up and they bring the sacrifice. And they're calling, what it says in Kings, that they called on the Baals all day, all day. They're like, come, get, come, come, get it. Come on, get the, come on. Nothing. And then Elijah's like, okay, y'all ready? Lord, I brought you a sacrifice. Fire, fire from the sky. Woof, like comes and like everyone's around. I was like, oh, that was, that happened just now. Like this is the moment that Elijah just left. God had done like amazing things. He had literally called on the Lord who rained fire down out of the sky to say, I'm the Lord. How many times in your life have you wished that God would just, like for your friends, your neighbors, like would just do a thing that people are like, oh, dag, I cannot deny that. Fire from the sky would be one of those things. So this is the moment he just left. But what he hears, and I love the way you, what was your name, brother? I love the way Alex brings this, is that what he pays attention to is like, not what the Lord has done and not what he's been called to, but what what he hears is right after that, as you can possibly imagine, that Ahab and, Je- Ahab and Jezebel were like ticked and they were going to come get him. And what happened, this is the way the text starts is like, like, let the gods deal with me like really badly if I don't kill you by the end of this day. That's what she says. 
And that's the thing that gets stuck in his head. Not that the Lord just rained down fire and proved himself, but that that comes at threat. I'm not saying that's not a tough choice. Can I get an amen? Amen. That's tough. But in his tiredness, he loses vision of the great, powerful works that God had done, even just the day before. The other thing he does, and, and you and I both get here, Elijah thought he was alone. We keep saying, like, I'm the only one left. Here's the thing. No, he wasn't. He wasn't the only one left. And when you feel like that, that you're the only one in that place, no, you're not. And what your exhaustion will do will put you in a corner and make you feel alone. And what like really bad religion and what really bad self-help will do will convince you is that you are alone so that you have to buy into that system. You have to buy the book and buy the... You know what I mean? It makes sense. If I can get you isolated, then you'll need my product because my product makes you feel like you're not alone. Here's what Elijah had forgotten. On his way out, like he had someone with him. They call him his servant. But like this guy who'd been with Elijah, he drops him off in the town and then goes and takes his 40 days. <laughs> you gotta imagine this, like, if the servant's hearing Elijah be like, I'm alone! He's like, you're so, I've been with you for years. <laughs> what is your deal with this? And on top of that, how many people does the Lord tell Elijah he's gonna be revealed to him at the tail end of the story? Thousands. Elijah's like, I'm the only one who's faithful to you! And the Lord's like, there are thousands, bro. There are thousands. In fact... Elijah, how many of those thousands of people are still faithful to me because of your work? In his exhaustion, he just lost vision for the goodness and the power of God, the call of God, this good, powerful God on his life, and the fruits that God had borne. And up to that point, whoever said it earlier, it was like the connection between like God's going to bear fruit if you'll be faithful— like, we don't always get to see the fruits of that labor. But the call, like you were coming back, he was like, hey, re- just remember why you're here. Don't go looking for fruit. Remember why you're here. Yeah, but it's hard. I know that it's hard. Remember why you're here. But yeah, but it's like, like I, I'm alone. You're, you're not alone. Remember why you're here. I also love this. I love the way God cares for Elijah in this moment. First of all, God didn't show up and argue with him. And this is a little bit different. And Alex, we were talking about the connection between, between the, like the Job story in this moment. Well, like when God shows up in, in the Job story, there's a little bit more of like God kind of takes Job to task. But in this case, what God doesn't do is be like, Elijah, you know better. You've always known. He doesn't argue with him at all. In fact, what you hear from the angel of the Lord is like, hey, this is hard. He's empathetic. I feel that. I understand that. He doesn't argue with him. He says, I understand that the journey is hard for you. And then he says this. What's, do you remember the first words that the angel speaks to Elijah in this story? Does he, does he say, like, hey, pray harder? Does he say, hey, go back and, and read the ancient scriptures? Do you remember what he says? Somebody. Anybody? Get up and eat. Come on. That's ministry. Get up and eat. Simple. He cares for his whole person. 
And then this, lay down. Have a snack, take a nap. So saith the Lord, <laughs> have a snack, take a nap. Because you're a whole person. Sometimes we're tired in life because the work is hard. Sometimes we're tired in life because we haven't taken care of ourselves. Someone want to say amen? Amen. Sometimes we're tired in life and the people around us are tired and you've been here too. We're like, it's not your job to go convince that person to do something different. It's your job to show up and like, like bring a snack and go say, hey, I'm going to watch your kids for the afternoon. Why don't you go to the park and lay down on a bench? Right? I mean, it's what I want to do. I'm a preacher, right? I want to show up people's lives. You're like, let's sit down. I'm going to walk you through the 10 points that I've worked on all the way over here in the car about why your life is askew and what you should do differently. I'm going to tie these to different verses. And we're going to... But like, what the angel of the Lord just shows up, he was like, hey, 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 hey. What you're doing is really, really, really hard. Here's a snack. Lay down. And then the second time, he gets up and he eats and he lays back down. So I wrote this story. Um, it's not a story. It's like a little parable uh, a little while ago. And this is going to sound like a joke. And in, in part, it's a joke. Anyways. Young man came to his priest. I feel like something is terribly wrong in my spirit. He said, please help me. And the priest replied, can you describe the feeling? He says, it happens every night. I lay down and begin thinking over my day and this terrible feeling comes over me. So it's like a burning and a weight in my chest. Like, it's like the burning the disciples felt when they, when, they were, when, they, when they met Jesus on the road to Emmaus after the resurrection. But like, when I feel it, it feels like, there's, it feels like something wrong. It's like, a, it's like a pain. It's as if God's like trying to tell me something. Something's wrong with my life. Please help me. What does it mean? And the priest bent forward out of his chair. And the young man, thinking that the priest was climbing out of his chair to kneel on the ground and pray, the young man slid out of his chair and fell on the floor face down, bowing his head and extending his hands, palms up to receive the priest's blessing. And instead, the priest reaches into his satchel and pulled out a single antacid and said, Son, you've got heartburn. Don't get me wrong, I regularly pray and sometimes I'm praying about physical discomfort because sometimes I just need an antacid and sometimes I need to eat better and sometimes I need to sleep more and sometimes I need a professional therapist. Somebody say amen. amen. And sometimes I need to change the shoes I'm running in. And I think all these things are actually spiritual matters. In the past, I would have suggested that therapy, exercise, and medicine were unspiritual things as opposed to prayer and fasting and meditation. Nowadays, I wonder if it's unspiritual to consider one aspect of my life spiritual, leaving all other aspects portioned off. I wonder if thinking spiritually means seeing my whole life emotional, psychological, physiological, religious, economic, social, familial, as singular. As if my creator is concerned with every inch and aspect of my whole life. 
See, I don't believe it's at all unspiritually, much less unchristian, to see a therapist or take an antacid. I do think, on the other hand, it is distinctively unchristian to separate the physical or the financial parts of my life from the spiritual. God, whose greatest revelation of himself was to become fully human, has great concern with all of me. I love the way God shows up here and says, have a snack. I know it's hard. Take a nap. And then, let's get back to who I am, to who you are, and what we've been up to all along. So may this text inform and inspire us. Maybe you are tired. Someone want to say amen? And maybe embracing that exercise routine is actually your next spiritual move. Maybe dieting isn't just about losing weight, but it's about caring for the person that God has making you into. Someone say amen. amen. And maybe when our friends and neighbors are in distress, it can honestly, truthfully be a ministry to simply show up with a snack and say, hey, I know your kid's been sick for a long time. I know it doesn't look good. Hey, I know you lost your dad and you didn't expect to. Hey, I heard, I heard your job. I heard you got fired. We didn't need to talk about it, but if you want to, love your kids. We're going to the park, take it for half a day. By the way, here's a casserole. I don't know what it is about like the family of Jesus and casseroles. It's a, it's a tradition. But to show up like the Spirit of God and not argue and not make points, but to minister to people's whole lives. On the, the morning, uh, some of you guys know I lost my dad uh, a number of years ago. And I had that, that Job-like moment where I did have some friends show up uh, like within hours and like they really wanted to like talk and pray and do all the stuff. And it was like, it was just noise. Um, and then my young life leader showed up because that's what young life leaders do. And he, <laughs> he brought Snapple, which at the time was like, I was like, like addicted to the Snapple, but it was a ministry to me. He just brought Snapple, he brought like my two favorite Snapples and a, and, and a, and a, and a, and a box of uh, Thin Mints. Uh, and we just sat and drank like way too much Snapple and ate Thin Mints and we just hung out and I felt cared for. Um, I, so that, this is what that text does for, uh, for me. Reminds me that I'm a whole person. And on the night that Jesus was betrayed, instead of uh, like a really long lecture, instead of saying, here's the thing that I want you to memorize in your hearts and your minds and get it locked in about what's theologically going to be true and, and et cetera about my crucifixion resurrection. What Jesus did is he took a piece of bread and he broke it and he didn't say this is my story. He didn't say these are my teachings. He said, this is my body broken for you. And he fed them. And in the same way, he took the glass of wine and he said, or the cup of wine, and he said, this is my blood, which is really physical. 
shed for you. And then not so long after he was bodily crucified. And then he was physically bodily raised from the dead. And when the disciples saw him from the boat and Peter freaked out, jumped into the water and swam with all his clothes onto the shore, Jesus was sitting there cooking a meal. And some people were like, hey, that's so that they could watch him eat and that it would be some proof that he'd been raised from the dead. I'm like, I don't know. I think they just might have been hungry. And Jesus said, I can take care of that. So when you are ready, we're going to sing a song together. Uh, come to the table and take a piece of bread and dip it in the cup. And be reminded of the God who meets you right where you are. The God who will continue to call you back to himself. And the God who cares for all your needs and wants to, through you, care for all the needs of those you are called to.